Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the kitchen of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I am your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get the jobs they really love. In addition to working with job seekers one-on-one, I do have a book out there. You can get, get a job without going crazy on Amazon or, of course, through our website. Uh, my guest today is Tim Nowak, and we are going to be talking about relocation and trying to find a job in a different city and all the things to consider once you get there, right? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Donna, for having me. I'm, I'm very excited to be here today. Cool, cool. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, our show's purpose is to explore and redefine the world of work especially as Gen X millennials and those to come after seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. So every show show we explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're going to talk about tattoos. Our sponsor is the Personal Touch Career Services, Denver's top rated career coaches. We focus on the practical tools for your job search, like resumes, LinkedIn profiles, job search coaching, and ongoing classes. So check out our ridiculously long website, which is personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com. Or, you know, you can just Google it because that's a little long. So, Tim, let's just dive into things. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about you and what your company does? It's Perry and Company, right? Absolutely. So I've been in global mobility since 2011, um, but since last year, 2018, I've been the relocation director at Perry and Company and most recently the HR and relocation director at Perry and Company. And we're a real estate agency here in Denver, um, one of the uh, longest uh, standing agencies. I've uh, been here since 1971. And we work with organizations, relocation management companies, and individuals that are relocating to or from the Mile High City each day. So it's very exciting, always meeting someone new and, and learning about their journey. Cool. So some of the things that I, I get asked a lot as a career coach is how to get a job when you're out of state, whether you're coming into the Denver market or going out. Sure. Now, primarily you're working with people who are moving into the Denver market, correct? Uh, primarily, it seems, you know, everyone wants to live in, in Colorado. Oh. So I would say a large portion uh, of who we work with are those moving into Denver versus those moving out. All right, cool. And personally, I think some of the strategies you need to employ and now, of course, the employer's already paying for your services, right? Correct. Right. But there's still their spouses or significant others that might be coming with them that needs to find some place to work once they, once they get here. Uh, my biggest tip for people when they're looking at doing an out-of-state job search is to really utilize their LinkedIn very well. Absolutely. LinkedIn is so important because it's your virtual resume and it can travel with you everywhere you go and who you connect with can see it right away. So it's a very easy, easy way to keep connecting. Mm-hmm. And one of the big tips that I always inform people to do is to start building a network with the, any market where you want to go live and work. Absolutely. So the best way to do that, and this is like one of my favorite tips for LinkedIn, is there's groups out there that are location-based. So here in right. Denver, we have like 5280 linked and linked to Denver, and they have between 40 to 45,000 members in all different kinds of professions. Absolutely. And big tip with LinkedIn is the bigger your network, the more it likes you, meaning the more effective your searches are and the more searches you show up in. 
Absolutely. But that includes not just your first degree connections, but also any of your second degrees, third degrees, or group connections. I was just about to say that. Never underestimate the power of the second or third degree connections on LinkedIn. They're, they're awesome. And I've, I've connected with a lot of people that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anytime you're coming into a new market, look for these location-based groups because that gives you a base to start with as far as building your network in any new place. Absolutely. Cool. Um, how about reaching out and researching different companies? I think that that's very important. I think a lot of people nowadays are looking um, to a specific corporate culture before they find a position. So they might research their top five companies and then search for positions within those companies first versus the other way around. At least that's how it was when I, um, you know, graduated from school, you know, I was looking at specific positions and then researching the company, company secondarily, and now it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the ways to start getting into a hidden job market as well. Absolutely. Because I've heard people say, oh, I know what this, I've heard about this hidden job market, but I don't know what it is. And I don't know how to tap into it. Right. So I always suggest people get to following the business magazines locally. Absolutely. So here in Denver, of course, we have the Denver Business Journal, but Colorado, the also the Colorado Business Magazine. You familiar with that one? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it's got a funky website. It's cobizmag.com. So C-O-B-I-Z-M-A-G.com. But what I think is awesome about this as a resource is the Denver Business Journal publishes books of lists, but you have to have a paid subscription to get them. Right. Whereas the Colorado Business Magazine has tons of lists that are free on their website, like top 100 women-owned, top minority-owned businesses, top high growth, and then they also do things like uh, those with the best perks or the best culture. So those are great places. If you don't know what the companies are, any market you're getting into, I highly suggest checking those out. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Another one is, uh, are you familiar with like the labor market indicator? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, the labor market indicator, the website is lmigateway.com. Uh, I'm sure other areas of the country do this, but this one's specifically for Colorado. And it's like all the hiring statistical data, and it's very accurate and very recent. So this is being recorded in September. They just published all the results for June of this year. And it says not just the only the top 10 employers, but the top 10 posted jobs, as well as if you're into statistical data, I'm not necessarily, <laughs> but that's always a great way to find a job. Cause what I coach people is it used to say, you know, do what you love and you, the money will follow. And now it's more like, let's find the money and do what our, we love within it. Right. And I think it's so important to have those tools when you're searching. It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. So how about doing like planned visits or trips to kind of to coincide with some networking or local events? One of the things that I always encourage people to do is make a list when you are job hunting of where you want to be and also who do you know in those locations? Because sometimes it helps to have a connection, especially if you do have to go to a certain city on a moment's notice. Um, but then if you are uh, looking at a position um, and you do have a planned visit, that's something to always tell them. Uh, years and years ago, I was interviewing for a job in um, the Northern Virginia part of Washington, DC. 
and I had a trip scheduled about five weeks out and I had gone on a couple of interviews and you know they had let me know that the position was put on hold but I actually wrote them two weeks before the trip and I said hey I'm gonna be uh, staying down the road from you do you mind if I stop by and just say hi and introduce myself and say thank you uh, for your time and it took a little bit for them to reply but they did and they and they appreciated that and they met with me and they were very surprised and it went over very very well and that individual um, that I met the hiring manager is no longer at that organization but went to several others and we are still connected on LinkedIn to this day mm -hmm. and it's funny the power of just meeting someone face to face even for a short bit of time because I made that effort when I was on a a personal trip to say hello to that potential contact it's now someone that I work with and now someone that um, can send our team some of their referral business so you just never underestimate the power of those connections yeah it's so easy to fall into the trap of I'm just gonna do everything online totally. I'm just gonna connect with people on LinkedIn and try it you really can't beat that face-to-face -face connection right it's very important it's, even though it's scary and nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And at least, you know, in my specific role, when I'm helping people move to Denver and I go to a conference, even if someone may not have someone moving to or from Denver, you know, a vendor of ours, I still make sure to make those connections and make every use of the time I have face-to-face -face with someone when I travel, because you never know how that's going to tie into something that you do presently or in the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The other thing that's cool about at least doing one visit before you commit to relocating somewhere is when sometimes employers are cautious about hiring somebody from out of state. Right. Even if they're not paying the relocation because there's this question of like, oh, this person lives in Washington, D.C. Are they really committed to moving to the Denver area? I may favor local candidates and things along those lines. If in your cover letter or when you reach out to hiring managers, you can say, hey, I was in Denver last month. I made connections with these associations and these people, and I'm very interested in your company for these reasons why. It shows that you've really done all your research, and it's not just this fly-by-night, oh, I'll take anything anywhere in the country. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny, that actually ties into my own personal story, Donna. Mm -hmm. um, so I moved here in September of 2010, uh, nine years ago. Last week was my move anniversary. Uh -huh. And so what I did is I structured it very similar. I set up my own home-finding trip, and I took a couple of days, and I set up interviews beforehand. And on those interviews, I would say, I don't live here presently, but I'm going to be moving here on September 4th 2010 mm -hmm. you know six weeks later and this is you know a sure thing and so I want you to know I'm committed to Denver you know even if we don't move forward and so I, I made sure to say that in all my interviews and some of them when they said when will you be back I'll say I you know I said I can meet you on uh, it was Labor Day weekend so September uh, the 8th immediately following the Labor Day weekend so it was really good to have that plan in place because it showed them that I was serious and committed to Denver and committed to an organization like theirs right exactly and those are the kind of things that can really sway absolutely yeah absolutely so let's talk about you already scored the job in the new city and what are some of the things that you can expect like like how long is it going to really take to get settled in 
Right. I, I think that's a great question to ask. Um, I personally think 13 months is the amount of time it takes to really acclimate. I mean, you can get settled in in just a couple of weeks and, and feel at home. I mean, as soon as you move in the front door of your place and get some furnishings and some groceries in, you can feel a semblance of home. And of course, you have that honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the beginning, you might be in some short-term housing. Even if you're not in short-term housing, maybe you signed a year lease so you can really get to know the city and and where you want to live and it's so it's almost harder here in Denver because there's so many great places to live you know even yeah. after nine years I drive through a neighborhood and I'm like wow maybe I should consider living here someday I never realized how much I I really enjoyed you know my time here and so I really think it's after that short-term housing after that one-year lease ends and maybe you've purchased a place or maybe you've committed to a more permanent um, rental or residence is when you really start to feel like it's home Right. So how about, and this sounds, you know, kind of silly, but yeah, it's an important thing because it's part of establishing your network right. beyond just people for work. It's actually making friends. Totally. And as adults, we know it's a lot harder to make friends now than it was in college days. Yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed. Mm. You don't have that college campus where you're meeting everyone all the time or classes. You have to be a little bit more ingrained in it. So you have to, you know, join some professional organizations, you know, maybe forge some relationships with coworkers. Um, if you're part of a religious community or a church, you know, that's a way to meet people as well. And then, of course, there are many meetups, and the meetup scene is very large here in Denver, so that's a great way to go about it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I was really lucky. I've never felt bored here. There's just so many outdoor activities to do. Even if you've only met a few friends, there's just always so much to do here uh, in Denver that, you know, I, I, I don't think that I was ever bored when I moved here, even though it might have taken a little bit of time to really meet, you know, a great group of friends. Right. It is very diverse as far as the interests. And it, I do think it's very interesting. I like about meetup.com. You can find groups to do just about anything that you want on right. meetup. I've seen groups that are like people who want to go skiing together or they do yoga in the park or uh, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. So I've got some nerd groups that I've joined, like people who do, they just get together and do board game parties. Yeah. And I'm even part of ones that are like, uh, it's called sh Shut Up and Write. <laughs> so it's to help would-be writers do that commitment of like, sit down, you write for an hour. It's like everybody's in the coffee place and they just write for an hour and then they talk a little bit and maybe bounce ideas off of each other. But it's, it's like- kind of a freelance for an hour and see where it goes. Exactly. It. That's so cool. Exactly. So there's like literally meetups for just about everything. I've seen quilting circles and like knitting and stuff like that. So it's very interesting. I had a friend who uh, had a rollerblading meetup group that he started. There you go. You know? Mm. Yeah. So what else about networking is something that you would encourage to somebody that maybe they haven't necessarily thought about before? Oh, in terms of networking, mm. um, I think always being open. I think you have to go into them with an open mind. You never know who you're going to connect with and where it will lead. You know, uh, Donna, you know, I've only known you a short time and here we are, you know, sitting down and chatting together. So I think you really have to, um, you know, 
be open to the connections, maybe people that you meet organically that sit next to you at the coffee shop or on the light rail train, or um, if you go to an entertainment venue mm -hmm. that way as well. Um, you know, the music scene is very big. Say you want to go to a concert at Red Rocks and you meet some of the people in your row. I mean, those are potential connections as well. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of people meeting and going to continued um, uh, venues together because yeah. of a meeting like that. So I think that that's really important as well. That's cool. All right. So another thing when it comes to your relocation strategy. So this is like whether you're moving in or moving out, you've seen some different choices made by that based on people's generations, right? For sure. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for those baby boomers and Gen Xers, their thing is they want to have all their toys with them. They want to move the heirlooms, the pianos, the boats, all of that. Whereas um, millennials have always come into a an economy that was a little bit more challenging and known that, you know, maybe those newer relocation packages um, for those uh employees that are newer to the workforce aren't going to cover all of those amenities and so they haven't collected them they haven't moved them around they want to be within walking distance to theaters and coffee shops and parks and even if that means sacrificing a lot of square footage to do so mm -hmm. and when you sacrifice square footage that means you sacrifice what you bring with you and they know that their next job may be in another city because they have to always be chasing that opportunity you know because they have less experience and they have to be more more nimble and flexible to where they're going to go so they have to be ready to you know jump in their car and go at a moment's notice across the country and i I've met a lot of people that have moved to Denver um, with only that that fits in their car. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting to see how that millennial generation moves versus that Gen X and that baby boomer generation that wants to make sure all of their belongings are relocated from place to place all throughout the country. And of course, they're going to be more at that executive level where some of those packages and compensation programs allow for them to do so when they move. All right. All right. And I'm laughing to myself because now are you you're a millennial, yes, right? I am. Right. And obviously I'm Gen X, which my listeners already know. But I mean you say, Oh, the Gen X wants to move their toys. We're talking literally toys. Right. Sure. I, I have a very large collection of mint in the box, Star Wars toys and so cool. things like that. So and uh, the baby boomers toys are actually like the boats and cars and stuff like that, heirloom items. Mine are literally toys. And hey, I mean, it's so funny because for the millennial generation, we're spending our money towards travel and things mm -hmm. like that. So we may not have toys, but we're having adventures. So we're still having our fun just in a different package. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And some of that, too, is just even based on age. Yeah. Because you have millennials still in their 20s, early 30s. You, you want to be fluid. And most, it, believe it or not, Gen X, when we were in that time, same age group, we were very similar. And, uh, it was pretty notorious when we were in our 20s, the baby boomers complaining, ah, them Gen Xs, if you don't give them a day <laughs> off, they're going to go quit their job to do a concert festival. It's like, yep. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So how about some challenges that people don't expect when it comes to relocation? You know, I think 
how they're going to assimilate to their new environment. Sometimes it's a change in, in climate, change in weather. You know, a lot of them coming to Denver may not have experienced snow before. Maybe they're from, you know, California or Florida or somewhere in Texas and they're just not used to the snow or maybe the amount of snow that we do get here because on average, you know, we're over 50 inches a year for snow. So you have to be ready for the snow if you come to Colorado. Um, I think another thing is, is maybe, um, uh, a little bit of the people that you're going to meet you know what who are you going to meet is are people a little bit more aggressive a little bit more laid back are you coming from a place where it's acceptable to honk at someone at the stoplight if they're not going after two seconds or mm-hmm. you know do you have to be a little bit nicer to everybody because there are those different subcultures throughout our nation and sometimes people aren't used to that cost of living is a big one and i think that you know you and i've talked about that before um, that's the biggest one that I see. You know, you have people from the coast that move to um, Colorado and they think, oh, it's going to be cheaper because it's a state in the middle of the country, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily true. And then you have people that come from the Midwest that are just a state or two over. You know, Kansas is to our east and they come to Colorado and it's drastically more expensive. So I've noticed the cost perceptions to be the biggest challenge for those moving here. Right. And in a lot of cases, our wages that are being paid are not being uh, in line with the cost of living increases that we're seeing, especially in terms of housing. Totally. And then you have, if you're coming from the coast, like think of the Bay Area, New York, Boston, even LA, they're used to that public transit, meaning that you might be able to live far away because you're near a train stop or you have a great bus system. And while Denver does have public transit, it may not be as thorough as you get in some of those big cities. So. Yeah. So people are relying on that public transit. They may not have a car. And then here, say they have to get a car and they have to figure out where they're going to park it. Things that they did not have to worry about because they had very robust public transportation where they're from. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say even though we've gotten improvements in our transportation and over the past decade or so, it's still there's a lot, a lot, a lot of urban sprawl around here, meaning it takes a long time to get anywhere especially on public transit it's like but will take me 20 minutes to drive could take easily an hour to an hour and a half one way on a bus absolutely and that's really just gonna add to your quality of life if you're already working you know eight or nine hours a day and then you add an hour to an hour and a half commute onto that that's going to really impact you know your your work-life balance Mm -hmm. yeah and here's a one thing that i like to warn people about just on the culture side um we have bad drivers here. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, totally I totally agree with you. There was a study done. Of, it was from one of the insurance people that came out like about six months ago. And Denver is in one of the top ten cities in the country for bad drivers. That's why our insurance premiums keep going up. People yeah. People here and they can't believe what insurance costs, even if they move from a state that has a higher cost of living than Colorado. They still can't believe what they're paying. And it's not snow accidents. No. It's regular accidents. Like, big warning tip here. If you're at a stoplight and you're the first person there, when it turns green, pause a couple of seconds because there's a very good chance that there's somebody coming from the other direction who's going to run that yellow. Totally. All, all the way up to when it's dark orange. <laughs> yeah, even driving here today, I was at a stoplight and it turned green and I was about to go and two more cars went through yep. after it was green on my end and red on their end. So just yeah. never know, you have to be very careful. If I come into a lot of money, Donna, I'm hiring a driver, I've already decided. So. Right. And then the flip side, 
There's these slow kind of people in a haze drivers. You know what I mean? I totally know. <laughs> <what> I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I was another survey I looked up. This is from CDOT, which is the Colorado Department of Transportation. Uh, that 70% of cannabis consumers said they're driven high in the past year. I mean, they might be getting pulled over because they're going so slow. That's the thing, you know, yeah. and people don't understand. Why is everybody driving five miles under the speed limit? It's like, well, they're probably high. Right. That's yeah. my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another study that came out this year, and there was like 25% of people think they drive better when they're stoned. Isn't that crazy? Just because it's legal doesn't mean you should be doing it while you're on the road. Yeah, alcohol is legal too, but well, you... we don't do it while we drive. Right. Yeah, and it is illegal to drive high. It is. It's driving under totally. impaired, so... There's your big tip. Don't drive high, because <laughs> you will you will annoy you will annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> so, any other kind of cultural twerk uh, quirks that you're thinking about Denver that you would warn people about? Uh, well, we're a mile high. It's definitely mm -hmm. uh, drier. So you're drier and elevated. If you come from the eastern half of the United States, that might be something that's very foreign to you. I know it was to me. So you always have to stay hydrated. Make sure you wear SPF in the sun. Being a mile closer to the sun means that. Uh, you can get that sun damage much quicker. You can get uh, sunburn, even if you're just outside a short time here. And that goes well into, into the, the cooler months as well. You know, when the sun's out, uh, make sure you have that SPF on, drink tons of water, stay hydrated. People laugh at me, but I don't leave my house without a glass of water in my car. I actually take mm -hmm. a glass of water, so I always have it with me, even if I just go to the grocery store. So stay hydrated, um, be a good driver, you know, break mm -hmm. that cycle and uh, enjoy the outdoors. That's what we're known for. I mean, all times of year, from the skiing and snowboarding to hiking, um, to concerts at Red Rocks, you know, enjoy colorful Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And obviously your company can help out with some of the relocation and the real estate issues. Right? Mm -hmm. It can. If you're coming mm -hmm. to Denver, whether you're looking to rent or buy or just settle in, uh, give me a call, send me an email. I would love to help you get acquainted with Denver and anything that I can do to make make it feel like home, I'd be happy to do so. Right. And what's really interesting too about our real estate market is there's like little pockets of things that will get you close to whatever you want. Yeah, like my, sure. um, I had to sell my mom's condo recently, which is over by Green Mountain, which is over on the west side of town. It's like just off of C470. It's right next to the foothills. Like literally you can walk to Green Mountain, which is one of a uh, very desirable hiking space, especially totally, for, area. yeah, very nice. And uh, just to give you an idea of how crazy this market is, we bought her condo two years ago. So that was 2017, $135,000 for a 530 square foot one bedroom condo. Wow, that's incredible. We sold it in July for $170,000. So you were part of that bandwagon where you made some money on Colorado real estate. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't intend to. And I, when my when my agent said, we're gonna list this at 170, I was all like, Tammy, you are crazy. There are no way somebody's gonna buy that. And I, was, I just knew we were gonna have to reduce price and we got a cash offer in less than two days. Wow, that's incredible. See, but there's so, few properties under that $200,000 threshold that they saw yours as that diamond in the rough mm -hmm. that they had to have. And of course, in such a beautiful area like Green Mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we say sticker shock on costs in the Denver area, that's the kind of things we're talking about. Totally. But it also shows that there's something for everyone as well. If mm -hmm. you're not space conscious, if you 
want to live here, if you want to en start enjoying, that there is a place for you. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, this is one of my favorite part of the shows where we get to talk about the tattoo of the day. But, Tim, you don't have a tattoo, do you? I don't, Donna. I'm breaking the mold, but maybe you could suggest where you can, where the best place to get a tattoo is. Certainly. So, one thing I also learned within the past year since doing this show is that uh, Colorado and Denver happen to be some of the more heavily tattooed areas of the country. I've noticed that, yeah. Yeah. So there's not that much stigma anymore, at least here locally, about tattoos. I did, I'm Gen X, so we didn't start off with, like, a lot of millennials will get, like, <laughs> their forearms or their hands done, and sure. then, or they're up on their neck, and then they have, like, nothing else on their body. And as Gen X, as we did start off with, everything's easily covered up, and it's just now. But as far as uh, some top artists in the area, Bound by Design, which is uh, down in central Denver, is extremely well known. Okay. Um, I have several pieces from a very reputable guy there. His name's Porno Jim. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. What a name. <laughs> what a name. That's one thing I love about tattoo artists. They get to have the cool names, right? Yeah. Uh, there's another shop that I've checked out a lot. Old Larimer Street, which is right up from Coors Field. Sure. has got some awesome artists to it. And Joe Miller in particular is doing some very good things with portraits. And those are very difficult to do. Portrait. Yeah. You gotta wow. be you gotta be careful about who you ask to do your portrait. Totally. Um and then Soul Tribe is definitely a good one to look out for as well. And then there's mantra tattoos. And the main thing is whenever you're looking at someone's portfolio online, make sure that they have like a big portfolio because if they only have a few signature pieces, that might be, oh, they're having an awesome day that day, but can we see like your full breadth of work? Totally. You need those references, right? Right. Right. And that's the main thing too, is if you see somebody with some really high class art that kind of relates to the style that you are looking for, that would be the main thing too, because everybody does different styles. Sure. And some do different styles better than others. Like I've been searching for someone to do a good portrait for over two years now. And I had a wonderful artist and he moved down to Woodland Park, oh, no. which is outside of Colorado Springs up in the mountains by about 45 minutes or so. And yeah. <laughs> it's quite a drive. It's quite a drive. Yeah. I mean, it adds like about two hours to the session itself. And then in terms of cost, cost will vary quite a bit depending on the shop. But most of the places that I go to, it's anywhere from 100 to $200 an hour. And then I always tip on top of that. Sure. And they tell a great story, don't they? I always mm -hmm. love when I meet someone with a tattoo and I love to ask where what inspired you to get this mm -hmm. what's the story behind it because a lot of times it's something very personal and meaningful and i'd love to hear about that yeah absolutely so uh that's pretty much all the time that we have for today so tim uh why don't you give us your contact information how can people get in touch with you and perry and company absolutely if you're looking to move to or from the mile high city of denver please reach out to me uh, my name is tim nowak um, you can reach me by telephone at 636-259-6570, or you can email me at tnowak, T-N-O-W-A-K, 
at Perry and Co. P E R R Y A N D co.com and i also have a hashtag i'm the hashtag mile high reload director so i'd love to share that as well great and i am donna shannon personal touch career services just google that name and you'll find us and until next time thank you thank you